You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. Welcome back to the show. You know, I have been um, perplexed. I think I joined many. Um, I remember well, I'm old enough to remember Thomas Eagleton in uh, 1972 because he'd been treated for depression the previous decade. He was forced to give up his candidacy for vice president of the United States on George McGovern's ticket. I remember well Gary Hart because of some photographs in 1987 indicating that he was having an extramarital affair. He was forced to give up his run for the presidency for the Democratic nomination. I remember Nannygate where Zoe uh, Baird was uh, a candidate for attorney general and her, her successor candidate, Kimball Wood both had to give it up because they had had a nanny who was undocumented at one point watching their children, and now I'm watching President Trump with 92 counts and four different cases and so many scandalous news reports running for president and having, in many polls, it locked up almost for the Republican nomination and likely being a serious contestant for the presidency against President Joe Biden. I'm confused, but fortunately, we have Professor Austin Sarrett from Amherst College, political scientist, expert in jurisprudence and in social thought to help me understand this. So, Austin Sarrett, how is it possible that this man, with all the scandalous conduct, with all of the cases against him, is still such a serious candidate for our presidency? Look, it's clear that the Trump phenomenon is, if not unprecedented, it is something new in American politics. And I love your reverence to the past episodes of Scandal. I think to understand Trump, we're not going to learn a lot from that history. Millions of Americans who have lost trust in our institutions, they've lost trust in other politicians, regard Trump with a kind of what I would describe as theological loyalty. That's the first thing. The second thing I think that's important to understand is that the more the likes of people in the Pioneer Valley dislike Donald Trump, the more the likes of us dislike him, the more that millions of Americans like him. So what we find scandalous, they find if not just tolerable, they find a way of saying to political and legal elites, uh, take one, take one, tough noogies. So I think that's the context that we have to understand the Trump phenomenon in. If it's not unprecedented, it's genuinely new, and he's attracted the kind of loyalty that most other American political figures could only dream of. He's a billionaire, and most of the people you just described are anything but. How does that work? So what Trump has succeeded in doing <laughs> is what many populists have succeeded in doing in the past, which is painting himself as a kind of everyman figure. So uh, among the first things that Donald Trump did uh, when he entered the White House was he had a rally for truckers on the front lawn of the White House. He wants to signal, whatever his background is, that he shares their sense 
of having been disrespected. He wants people to believe that he shares their sense that they are being denied their place in American society. And I, again, I think for millions of Americans, they don't care particularly about how rich he is or that he comes from a different class than they do. After all, Americans have never been particularly inclined to um, a radical redistribution of wealth. Americans don't hate the wealthy, they wanna be wealthy. So I don't think the difference between Trump's income and the incomes of people who support him is truly significant. I take it that a lot of this Trump phenomenon is based on mutual, well, hatred. Uh, Trump says, I hate the elites, although he's one of them. Um, And uh, you, people in the heartland of America, you know what those coastal elites are trying to do to us. You know how they feel about us. And you know how they look down on us. You know how they think we're really uh, second-class citizens. You know how they want to displace us from our place. um, And they don't care about us. And I understand how you feel. And it gets to the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And so Trump is their friend and their advocate. Is Is that too simple an analysis? Professor? Uh, It's simple enough. And here's why I say that. It seems to me that what Trump has offered is, I will be your voice. I will say for you and voice what uh, what you feel. And I do think that resentment towards the coastal elites is part of what fuels the Trump phenomenon. But I also think we need to pay attention to some other things. Brett Stevens in the Times yesterday published what I thought was a really interesting and important op-ed. And what he said was, in essence, that Donald Trump, like him or not like him, has put his finger on several important things in American politics. First, he named migration. He said, this is a serious international as well as national issue. And the Democrats have been kind of absent without leave on the immigration issue. Now, that may be too harsh of a criticism of the Democrats, but I think Stevens is on to something. Second, and this connects, Bill, to what you said, Stevens said that what Trump has tapped into is a real suspicion of expertise and a real mistrust in institutions. And we know that that's the case. I mean, trust in American institutions has just dropped dramatically. And the third thing that he said, which again, I think is accurate, is that Trump is aware of the deep pessimism that afflicts um, the society in which we live. So I think it's it's, uh, important to understand this critique of of elites, but I also think it's important to understand what Stevens has pointed out uh, out to us, that Trump is actually on to something that's going on in um, American society. Look, if you drive on any road in the Pioneer Valley, uh, you know you have to dodge the potholes. If you've tried to make an appointment with it, and I'm over 70, so this is a big part of my life, try to make an appointment with a doctor, you know how difficult it can be. If you've called Comcast, God forbid, you know the frustration. And what Trump is tapping into is the frustration, the pessimism, and indeed, I would say the hopelessness that many Americans feel about the condition of this country. 
I'd like to ask, if I might, Professor Austin Sarrett, about that Stevens uh, op-ed, that opinion piece yesterday uh, in, in this regard. It seems to me that many of us here in the uh, Pioneer Valley and the Hill Towns are very focused on the threat to democracy which Trump poses, and he does. There's no question about that. But I'm not at all sure that what resonates here and what is of crucial existential value to me and I think to many people here resonates elsewhere in the country where they're saying, what about my job? What about my future? What about the kids? And notwithstanding that Biden has objectively done a good job to help those individuals and Trump did a horrible job, they think Trump is on their side and they don't care about that big picture that matters here so much. They care about other issues that resonate with them and feel much more personal and intense. Your view? First of all, the criticism of Trump as a threat to democracy is already baked in. There are very few people in the United States who haven't heard this line that Trump is a threat to democracy. And I think Stevens points that out. I mean, you're going to the well. You went to the well in, in 2016 on this. You really went to the well in 2020. You went again in 2022. And what Stevens uh, is pointing out is actually what Mitt Romney said after Biden's uh, speech in Pennsylvania about democracy. He said, Joe Biden better get some new lines because this one is unlikely to convert anybody. That's the first thing. The second thing, Bill, I agree with you. And I believe that Biden's um, Trump is going to ruin American democracy needs to be connected to why is preserving American democracy important to you? Why is it important to your daily life? And I'll tell you, in his speech in Philadelphia, he paid almost no attention to that question. He glancingly talked about reproductive rights and racial justice. But if he's going to talk about democracy, he needs to be able to show how and why democratic institutions are important to the lives that ordinary Americans um, lead. And again, he's going, to, he's, he's going to face the electorate with a kind of mixed record. And the mixed record will have a lot to do with prices at the grocery store, the problems at the border, the chaos around the world. So he wants to talk about democracy. Zyko said, go ahead and do that. But you really need to connect it up to uh, pocketbook uh, issues. This is Dan. And I want to know. So this is Dan. I would like uh, to know from you, Professor, if a best case scenario, if Trump were to assume the presidency, is he a threat to liberal democracy, to those liberal values? you know, that you both Buzz and Bill here have worked your entire lives for? Because I think in a best case scenario, it's a bit of a hollowing out of democracy, right? So I mean by that is there still might be elections, but the country will look different because the liberal values that you've been fighting for for the last 50 or 60 years could be eroded very quickly. Uh, and I just wanted you to comment on that. I think that's absolutely right. I mean, um, I, I smiled. I don't know whether smiling is the right thing to have done at the announcement that Vladimir Putin is a candidate for re-election in March of 2024. So, yes, elections may persist, but what you call liberal values would likely be would likely be eroded or endangered. Look, 
the conversation about democracy over the next over the course of the next uh, several months is going to be quite confused. And you can see that Donald Trump is trying to throw a smokescreen. So every time Biden is going to talk about Trump as a threat to democracy, Trump is going to call Biden a threat to democracy. Every time that uh, Biden talks about how Trump is going to weaponize the Justice Department and do other things that threaten liberal values, Trump is going to talk about how Biden has weaponized uh, the Justice Department. Trump is a master of whataboutism. And I think that the conversation about democracy, liberal democracy, liberal values is not going to be clear to most people in the United States by the time that November 2024 comes around. And who's the bigger threat, Trump or Biden? And I think that will break down, as we know it has, if we've looked at polls, Republicans see Biden as the greater threat, Democrats see Trump as the greater threat. How it'll play out with the narrow middle of undecided voters, not clear to me. We also know that attachments to democracy are much less in 2023 than they would have been in the middle of the 20th century. Polls taken in, I don't know, five or six years ago show that people my age, people born in the 1930s and 40s, are much more attached to democratic values than are people born in 1980 or, or after. So simple appeals to what I call civics books versions of democracy may not play particularly with large segments of the American public who are not so attached to civics books versions of democracy. Well, we have been speaking with Professor Austin Sarrett, the Amherst Professor of Political Science and Jurisprudence and Social Thought, and uh, we are going to exploit his, uh, his kindness, his generosity, and have him back on the show hopefully to leave us a little bit more uplifted than we're being left today. But uh, I think I agree with every single word, Professor. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me, and I wish you the best for the weekend. You too. We'll be right back. Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg coming up right here on WHMP. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. And we're continuing our conversation, which leaves me so befuddled, notwithstanding the fact that I agree with every word that Professor Austin Sarrett of Amherst College uh, just said about uh, people's dissatisfaction with with institutions. I'm still, it's very hard for me to understand when Donald Trump is, is charged in court with fomenting uh, January 6th in, in, in Fulton County, Georgia, with uh, uh, election interference, unlawful election interference, and uh, his uh, payments to a porn star to shut her up during a campaign in violation of our campaign finance laws, and right now, fraud in his dealings, the extent of hundreds of millions of dollars of damages. It's hard, Bill Newman, for me to understand how people still think, okay, he's my guy. I don't understand why you necessarily think that the overwhelming majority of Americans care about that. I think what Austin Sarrett said, what Professor Sarrett said is right. All that's baked into the conversation. Uh, You said in 2016 uh, that democracy was at risk. 
and in 2020 that democracy was at risk. And well, turns out here we are in the United States and things seem pretty good, except for the things that Biden is screwing up. Look what's happening at the southern border. And in uh, the primary, the Iowa uh, caucus, uh, People are, Republican voters, and are seriously concerned about the invasion in the southern border. It's a long, they're a long way away, but that's the issue that really motivates and animates them. And I think that uh, what Biden is missing is what animates people now. And he is right about what he is saying, that in fact, what Trump has planned for the second term will destroy democracy as we've known it in America. But that's not what many, many people hear. What they hear is whining from coastal elites about things that don't seem very relevant to them, that seem kind of highfalutin and theoretical and not real. Where is their democracy? Why doesn't it exist? Uh, and those claims, those questions, those existential questions don't resonate with lots of people who don't spend a lot of their time worrying about politics. Uh, yeah, I, this is Dan. I just think the professor's also right on the, the distrust that exists among institutions. I think American trust in institutions is declining. I think there are a lot of reasons for that. Um, I think the internet plays a role in that. And I think, uh, the way our, our discourses in this country is, is a lot about dislike and hate instead of uh, you know robust debate debate with neighbors um, that maybe existed decades prior. Um, so when you have distrust of institutions and a figure arises and says I am ret your retribution, then people gravitate towards that and they can they can forget the more personal uh, mistakes that a person makes and they're willing to support that. And I think that he was able to capture that the zeitgeist of this moment. I mean, what scares me is that this zeitgeist is by far not, not contained in America. This is not, in my view, it's not unique to America. I mean, what are the odds that this would be spreading all around Asia, Western Europe, Europe, uh, Latin America, all at the same time, roughly, you know? So. I don't disagree with anything that either of you said or the Professor Sarit said, but I was raised among those people. I mean, we, we were a small... Yeah minority everybody around me was red and voting for goldwater against yep. johnson and to me the, what i remember hearing is those rich people don't don't have to pay their taxes why do i have to pay my taxes well trump's being tried for not paying his taxes right and and uh those those people don't follow their marital oaths um well look at who trump is i mean it's there's so much hypocrisy and everything you said is right except I think to them it's about values. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's values. I think it comes down to values. I think they don't care that he breaks those rules as long as he gets them what they want. And I think for a lot of religious people, they can always point to the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade and saying he follows through. Well, the truth is, what kind of religious person is he? Meanwhile, it's been a great week. Thank you so much for letting us into your lives and uh, on Talk to Talk, and we'll talk to you next week.